Good morning! Welcome to Honey in the Rock, your daily dose of inspiration and encouragement. We look forward to having you on the show. This morning's episode is titled, The Words of the Lord Are Pure Words. It shall be focused on a study of Psalms chapter 12. Before we go any further, we'll begin with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your love. To hear, Lord, that your words are pure. They're purer than refined silver. We thank thee, Lord, to know, Lord, that you said every son that cometh to you must be tried. Like gold that's tried in the fire and refined at the fire. To burn all the dross away, we thank thee, Father, that you you mold us into the image of your will. We pray, Father, may we keep reading and praying and feasting and on your word so that, Lord, it might continue to change our nature. In the name of thy Son, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Up next, we shall listen to Psalms chapter 12. Psalm 12 To the chief musician upon Sheminith, a psalm of David. Help, Lord, for the godly man ceaseth, for the faithful fail from among the children of men. They speak vanity every one with his neighbor. With flattering lips and with a double heart do they speak. The Lord shall cut off all flattering lips and the tongue that speaketh proud things. Who have said, With our tongue will we prevail, our lips are our own. Who is Lord over us? For the oppression of the poor, for the sighing of the needy, now will I arise, saith the Lord. I will set him in safety from him that puffeth at him. The words of the Lord are pure words, as silver tried in a furnace of earth, purified seven times. Thou shalt keep them, O Lord. Thou shalt preserve them from this generation forever. The wicked walk on every side, when the vilest men are exalted. Up next, we shall listen to a sermon by Reverend William Branham titled, The Infallible Word of God. This was preached in 1956 on April the 6th and will begin at paragraph 10 up to paragraph 43. I trust you'll find it to be a blessing. Now, in Matthew, the 24th chapter, and beginning with the with the 34th and 35th verse, I read this. Verily I say unto you, this generation shall not pass, so all these things be fulfilled. Heavens and earth pass away, but my word shall not pass away. May the Lord add his blessings to the reading of his word. Now, in the Old Testament, God had about three ways that he could make the people understand his message or bring a message to the people. Now, the first thing you want to recognize is first you have to have solemn faith in the Bible. I was talking to a psychologist not long ago, and he said, well, Mr. Branham, he said, if uh, a man believed that he could walk out here and touch a pole or a tree and be healed, it would happen. 
I said, who in the world would have faith to know that he touched a pole or a tree he'd be healed? Faith is not built upon such shifting sands as that. Faith has its firm resting place on the eternal rock of God's Word, and not upon the shifting sands of man's theology, but upon God's eternal Word. Faith has to have a resting place. Am I looking at the little alcoholic that was healed in the Hammond meeting? God bless you, sister. I just happened to recognize you. I can't think of your name right now, and yet I've seen you and talked with you. One of the, uh, from, if it had to be an alcoholic here tonight, and the alcoholic synonymous has failed and all, here's that beautiful little lady sitting here that was a past alcoholic synonymous and all, and Jesus Christ called her, made her well, solemnly, soberly, and sitting here now perfectly normal and well. And that's been two or three years ago, hasn't it? Four years ago. I wonder, sister, if you just stand up just for a minute. Yeah, how many would like to see her? Just raise your hand. There she is. An answer to the power of God. When God in the room called a little woman and told her what she was and who she was and the all about her and told her what she was and God taken the drink away from her right then. And... She's not a glorifying her drinking, but she's glorifying Christ who took it from her. And if you think you can't get rid of cigarettes, tobacco, and dope, and alcohol, and things like that, talk to her a minute. <laughs> she can tell you where salvation lays. Now, oh yes, and the opium needle or anything else, marijuana, whatever it is, Christ delivers perfectly. Now... Uh, you can't rest your faith, as I say, upon just anything. You've got to have some basic fact. And the reason that I rest my faith upon this Word, because I believe it to be the Word of God. And then if it is the Word of God, it's God Himself in Word form. Right. Now... Then if that's God himself, and no man is any better than his word. If I write you a declaration here tonight or something that I'll do, now I'm no better than that word is. And that word is a part of me. It's my word. And if this is God's written word, it's, it can be no less than God himself because he's obligated to his word. Now you believe that? Uh, ministers some time ago when there's a group of men had just been in Stuart Hamilton many of them having pictures taken at a studio they wanted me to come down and have a picture taken and a young uh, scholar was very scholarly that's true and he was uh, wanting to get the manager away from me because he knew I had no education and he just picked me to pieces so finally he managed a way to do it and he said to the manager Mr. Baxter, he said, if uh, you go on to the meeting, I want to speak with Mr. Branham just a moment. And he said, no, I can't do that. He said, Mr. Baxter, I'll have him there just in a little while if you'll just grant me this privilege because I want to talk to him and the meetings do at this time. So finally, yeah, Brother Baxter looked at me and I nodded my head to him. He went on. And he said, now, Mr. Branham, as a man, I admire you. But in your theology, you're as wrong as day is from night. <laughs> and I said, thank you for the compliment. 
I say, but I, I like you too. <laughs> so he said, I believe that you'd be honest enough to be proven wrong that you would accept it. I said, absolutely, brother. I, he said, now as you're preaching, said, and your uh, salvation message, there's nothing wrong with that. It's it's all right. He said, but as your doctrine of divine healing, it's absolutely wrong. And he said, it's wrong by the scripture. And I said, well, I'm, I don't aim for it to be my brother. And he said, well, it is. It's absolutely wrong. And uh, I said, well, maybe then you could correct me. He said, do you preach divine healing by through the atonement? I said, every redemptive blessing has to come through the atonement. Because that's how it was made. The attributes of the death of Jesus Christ brings us divine healing. And he said to me then, he said, now, Mr. Branham, do you apply that then to what Isaiah said, that he was wounded for our Esther? That's right. He said, if I'll prove to you that that has been done away with, will you accept it? I said, yes, sir. That's right. And he said, all right, in Matthew 8, the Bible said that they brought to him the lame, halt, and afflicted, and so forth, and he healed them that it might be fulfilled which is spoken to the prophet Isaiah. See, he, he, he said, for our infirmities. I said, do you apply that to the atonement? He said, certainly, Isaiah said so. I said, that was a year and six months before the lamb was ever killed. Now, how could it be in the atonement? That was a year and six months before Jesus ever was crucified. And how do you apply that to the atonement? And then he went to rattling off big words. You know, and I said, now, just a moment. The King James is all I know, see. And so... He said, well, well, I said, we won't, I said, do you, I'll ask you one question now. Do you say that divine healing is in the word about whatsoever things you desire? When you pray, believe you receive them. Is that divinely ordered in the Bible? Well, you have to say yes, because Jesus said so. Yes. Ask the Father anything in my name, I'll do it. Anything. I'll do it. And uh, he said, yes. Oh, you said the wrong thing there, brother. <laughs> and you put it in the Word, not the atonement. And I said, then it has to be in the atonement, then, if it's in the Word. And he said, no. I said, wait, there was a king one time that had a great kingdom, and he made all the rules and laws. He's a just man, a man of honor. And he made rules and, and penalties of punishment and so forth. And one day a slave committed a crime. He was brought up before the king, and the king said, My law reads here that you must die for this penalty. I'll have to take your head. And the poor fellow began shaking, and he said, uh, What can I do for you before I uh, have your head taken? And he said, A glass of water. So they give the slave the water, and he was shaking so hard he couldn't hold the water. He said, Now before I take your life, you drink the water, or I, uh, I won't take your life until you drink the water. And a slave threw the water on the ground. I said, now, what is the man going to do? His law says that, that the man must die, but his word says that he's not going to take the man's life before he uh, drinks the water, and he can't drink the water. Now what? He said, oh, that was a slip-up on the king. I said, and then you mean to say that God slipped up too? When he put in his word, not the atonement? Get away from here with that. No, sir. It's, God doesn't have any slip-up. Every word is the truth. 
is shown in his works, or a man shows his, his character by his works. We know that. Just like a contractor. A contractor shows what he is by his works. For instance, we are going to have a great building built here in the city of Chicago. The first thing the officials of the city board would do, they would try to select the contractor, just not anyone that run in and said, well, I can do the job all right. right. You're going to get a contractor that's got a reputation. And now because if they didn't, maybe another contractor would underbid that contractor, but he would put in the building bad material, and perhaps he would build it thousands of dollars less. And then we come to find out that the building collapsed. The first storm hit it, it went down. What do you think the city would think about that contractor? It would ruin his reputation forever. Right. Right. Perhaps what if it had been a school building or something where many little children were seated in the school and uh, the bad material that was put in the building gave away and collapsed and killed hundreds of little children. What would those parents think of that contractor for the love of money, caring not about his reputation and done a job like that? Oh, my. They'd think he was a horrible person. And he would be. No doubt it has to be uh, what we would call a scallywag that would do a trick like that, put such uh, 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 goods and a building that had such a great price that it was to hold up, and then with so much in common of little children that had to be seated in here and would go and put bad materials in it, and the first thing you know, the foundations would give away and away it would go. He would be an awful person to do a thing like that. What do you think the Los Angeles people thought of that contractor who built the St. Francis Dam? About $25 million was put in it, a little lower than any of the other bidder. But all at once, when the floodwaters begin to press against the dam, the sandy conditions beneath it wasn't fit right. And the material it went into it was not the right kind of material. And while the valley is laid silent with sleeping people, trusting in that dam, the whole thing gave away and hundreds of people's lives was destroyed when the water swept down through that valley, taking the lives of the people. Now, in this... We would liken the Word of God. God is a great architect. He's a great builder. And God puts in His building nothing but the very best. And I would liken this to a story I read of the great uh, Sydney Bridge in Sydney, Australia. Many years ago when the they had decided to build a bridge across the great strait of water there that connected north and south Sydney. Many come to bid, but up into England came down a renowned contractor who had a reputation behind him that he would he wanted to build this bridge, though his prices was high. The people of Sydney didn't mind that. They wanted the bridge built 
right. Now, I think every Christian ought to take the same attitude. Right. We want to know where we're standing. We don't want our eternal destination built up on the shifting sands of some church theology, but on the eternal word of the living God. Right. Because remember, every one of you sitting here tonight, stormy times is going to hit that building you're sitting in tonight. Right. Death's going to strike it. You better know what kind of a sand it's built upon or what kind of a foundation it has. God building the foundation would put nothing else but the best that there is. Because God is thoughtful of his reputation. He's a God of eternity. He's a God of heavens and earth. He'll never put nothing in his architect plan sure, but what will stand the time test for eternity. Amen. Say, I better leave that text. That is, we get to shout and we get to thinking that. For that's just as true as God is true. And now, he puts the best and that's his word. And that's where I rest my hopes on tonight. My hopes is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood with righteousness. All around my soul gives way. This rock will stand forever. Right? God's eternal word. And today when we find out that in our great uh, economy and in our great civilization that we're living in, many things are being built for popularity. Many houses are put up just in a, a row slamming them together. Many bridges are built and other things that won't stand the test, cheap materials put in, and so is many churches built up on man-made theory and doctrines and dogmas that won't stand the test of God's Word. God's Word declares Jesus Christ to be the same yesterday, today, and forever, same in power, same in principle, same in healing, same as He ever was, He is now, and always was, and always will be. And His attitude has to be the same towards every case that he has dealt with or he did wrong at the first time when he dealt with the case the way he did. Got to be. Notice, God using and creating his own material. God knew the very trees that would be cut out that went into the ark. When he spoke life into the, uh, the germ that came from the seed or in the seed, that made the tree. He knew right then that was the material that he would use to save Noah and the family. God, before the foundation of the world, looked down through the stream of time and saw everything that would be. And therefore, he could call and elect those who he knew that he would put into his building. That's right. And if you've been called tonight by the Holy Ghost and given a chance to come into the kingdom of God, happy ought you to be. Amen. If you're in the kingdom of God and you're a part of the body of Christ, thanks be to God. You live the life. You do the things that's right. And remember, this might sink just a little bit rough when it goes down, but let it digest a while. If you're in the body of Christ, he does not have any amputations. 
No, his body's perfect. You don't need any amputation. Amen. That's the truth. You know, the other night preaching on the ladder. He doesn't take off an arm or a leg. When it's placed there, it's placed there. It's the right material. Be sure that you're placed right. There in the Old Testament, there was three ways they could learn whether it was God speaking or not. First was by a dreamer. First was the law. And then by a dreamer or a prophet. And then if they wanted to test that to see it was right, on the breastplate of Aaron was the light called Urim Thundum. And if a dreamer told his dream or a prophet prophesied and it didn't flash the lights on the Urim Thundum, that prophet was wrong. And now under the Aaronic priesthood, that Urim Thundum was gone, done away with. But under this priesthood, God in sundry times and diverse manners spoke to the prophets to the children by the prophets, but in this last day has spoke to us through his son, Christ Jesus. And this Bible is God's Urim Thunder. And if a prophet prophesies, a preacher preaches, or a dreamer dreams a dream, or something is done that don't flash on that Bible, I just don't go for it, that's all. And the day when man with nail scars in their hand, pictures being taken to prove some person's popularity, Listen, if Jesus has left the heaven, the Bible said, when they say, Lo, he's in the desert, lo, he's here, believe it not, for as the lightning cometh from the east and shineth even into the west, so shall the Son of Man be when he comes, and every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess. See? All this idea of oil running out of hands and blood coming through hands, divine, what happened to the blood of Jesus Christ? If anything else is divine, I tell you, any real gift of God will point to the finished works of God's eternal word on the Bible. Amen. Hear me, I speak, thus saith the Lord. Right. Go to the word, stay in the word, and watch. The Bible speaks in the last days, things that rise up, the false prophets to see the very elect, if possible. Keep it in the word. Let it be from God's Word. If it's not from God's Word, don't believe it. Just walk away. Don't criticize it. Just walk away from it. Right. Don't listen to it. Now, when this great architect come down to build this bridge, the first thing that he did, he told him that he could do it, and he's a man of reputation. So what he did, the first thing after he was given the contract, he knew if he could ever build that bridge and make it successful, that his reputation would be greater than any reputation for building this famous bridge. So the first thing he done, he selected first the very best that he could find of architects, of skilled labor, and everything that he went at, he test-proved everything. Even all the steel that went into the bridge, it all had to be considered. How long it would stand the weather, how long it would stand the salt, how long it would stand the storm, and if the fire struck, how much, how much it would expand in hot weather, and everything had to be tested. That's the way God did when he made this salvation bridge for us to cross from earth to glory. He tested every servant that comes to him must be time-tested and proven. 
Every son that cometh to God must first be tried of God and tested. Child trained and brought into Christ must first be tried. The prophets must first be tried. Instead of a prophet speak something and that what he says comes out to pass, don't hear him. The time-tested thing. And if that man building that bridge so time-tested everything, even to the boats that he put into the bridge, he put a magnet on them to see if they were genuine steel or not. When he went to fix the great tower, they said that in the middle of the waters, they said that it had taken him, I don't know how long, to sink this pile them down into there and to be sure that nobody lost their life in doing it as far as humanly possible. And he dug down. He struck one layer. He tested the stone. It wasn't the right kind. He blowed deeper and deeper and deeper because he knew this great arch out here in the middle would be the thing that would give that on the bridge it has to be set on the right kind of rock. How God did that one between the Old and New Testament. He spanned his plan of salvation. He hosted up an ensign on Golgotha's hill, none other than the Son of God that joined man to God. It was time-tested. He tested it through the seed of Abraham, on down to Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, down to David, and on down to the end until that perfect seed come that could stand in the middle and hold sinner on one end and God on the other and bridge the way. Every word that he spoke, every word that was placed into the Bible was time-tested by the Holy Ghost. Therefore, I believe every timber. Amen. Every precept of God is right. Everything that's written in this Bible, I'd be willing to lay my life down for it. I may not have faith enough to make every promise come true, but I'll never stand in somebody else's way who does have faith to do it. If I can't walk where Enoch walked one day and went home without dying, I wouldn't stand in somebody else's way who could walk that way with God. That's right. I'm tested and I believe that every word of God is pure and unadulterated. For God is putting his timber because he's positive that his reputation as a Savior will not be spoiled. Right. I'm tested it. Know that it was right. How did... Many, while this bridge was going up, many prophesied and said, it'll fall down. It'll fall down. How did those surveyors went forth and they checked everything to be sure, coming from both shores, to meet out here in the middle, how everything must be perfect, must meet there just within the eighth of an inch or an inch, so that it would come together just right. And on the day of the coming together, when both ends were joined together, she called the man had done all that he could do with the reputation he had. He had planned it so perfectly that both ends come together within an inch apart, each one, perfect as it could be. How the people screamed and shouted when they know the job was completed. And how the people today who's lost and undone without Christ, how we can rejoice and praise God that the Mansion was met right when God sent Jesus Christ to the earth and he died at Calvary to bridge the way for sinful men and women to meet their Redeemer and their Maker 
And none other is this bridge but Almighty God Himself. His Word is Him Himself. And He laid His own life down that we could walk over Him into glory. One end of the bridge was nothing else but Emmanuel, God with us. At the other end of the bridge is the resurrected Lord Jesus Christ who stands in the power and glory of the Father. Amen. The connection is right. His Word, ever Old Testament prophecy pointed straight to Calvary. Ever New Testament prophecy points back to the finished work at Calvary. And why would we here in the last days try to point off to something else? It would be right. It would be wrong. If a man raised up and said, yeah, i got power to heal. He's wrong. If a man raised up and said, this oil is divine. Wrong. The blood coming out of a person, as it's been said in many places, of these things taking place, that's wrong. There's not a thing that any man or any woman or anybody else can do towards your salvation or your healing but point you to the cross where the power of God crucified Jesus Christ there and he was raised up the third day for our justification. And there was the great supreme price paid that he was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquity. The chastisement of our peace was upon him and with his stripes we were healed. For at the expansion, the great tower in the middle of the river, this great gulf that reaches from this earth to glory. Christ is that tower. Did you notice? He couldn't die on earth and he couldn't die in heaven, so he was the bridge between. He died between heavens and earth. The very best material that God could put. He spoke to the prophets and said it will be in there. He reserved the seed. Thy seed shall bruise the serpent's head. And he did it. Amen. He did it. And the same God that said that promised he had sent Jesus Christ a second time for those who wait for his coming and love his coming. The same God that said that said that he would heal our sicknesses if we would believe him through our... Uh, the atonement that was made there in the middle of the river. Amen. you believe that? Amen. Sure. He was the one who paid the price. He was the one who's done all these things for us. The day that the bridge was completed, the people screamed and shouted all over the city, all over the country, because the bridge was then fixed. And if you don't believe they screamed and shouted, read Acts 2. When the bridge was completed, that spanned man back in relationship with God, finds out if there wasn't not only that, but come rolling down that bridge, come divine gifts from God out of heaven, and anoint the church to preach the gospel into all parts of the world. Amen. In Sydney, when the great final day come, exit expansion is made, everybody went out and they decorated the bridge with flags and so forth giving honor, and then the great crucial moment comes. The ribbon was straight to the cross. The governor, the mayor, other, was the first one to break the ribbon as he went across. What's the bridge going to do? Without one speck of doubt in his mind, he broke the ribbon because he had confidence in the builder and the material that went in it. Some of these days you've got to break the ribbon too, brother. Yeah. 
That's right. It spans this life from the other. You're walking on brittle threads and you don't know what time they'll break. That is true. But when the, the ribbon does break, I've got confidence in the tower and in the bridge that was planted far highway for us to travel from earth to glory. And the mayor broke the, and after he broke the way, hundreds of others followed him, loads of people, three or four great big electric trains chucked along on each side, not a doubt in their mind. And all behind there come tens of thousands of automobiles and walking pedestrians and all going across the bridge. And someday when life is all over, as we break them brittle threads and we see the Lord Jesus Christ coming in his power and glory at the other side, when north and south Sydney was joined together by one expansion, and when Jesus died at Calvary, it Panted expansion that joined God and man together. That man are still the sons and daughters of God. Is in man because Jesus Christ spanned the way. Yeah. That's my confidence in His word. How He did it. Then when He, at that day, when they went across the bridge, the screams, the shouts, and the bridge set solid. There was not a weave in it at all. Because why? The right material had been put in. The right thing had been done. The right precautions had been taken. And of man, how his fame was through all out the world, the papers packed it everywhere, and he was the most famous bridge builder in the world at the time because he took precautions. He put the best material. He wasn't thinking about the price. He was thinking about the bridge. And then if man will be so concerned for transportation of his fellow man, to take such precautions as that, how much more is God concerned about his own children? To take precautions that the right thing is said, so therefore, brother, our faith is anchored in the word of the living God. And when Jesus Christ said, the things that I do shall you also, even more than this where I go unto my Father, I believe that to be the infallible word of God. I believe when he said a little while, and the world will see me no more, yet ye shall see me, for I'll be with you to the end of the world. I believe that's the infallible word of God. Now I believe that he promised that wherever two or three gather together, he'd be in their midst. That's the infallible material of God that my hopes is built in tonight that takes us from this earth to glory. Hallelujah. I believe it to be the truth. I believe Jesus Christ died and rose again. I believe Jesus Christ lives tonight. I believe it's Jesus Christ that gave that blind woman her sight last night. I believe it's Jesus Christ raised that dead baby up down here in Mexico a few days ago. I believe it's Jesus Christ that's in our midst tonight that's making our hearts feel light and joyful. That's giving us this great joy that we have and peace of knowing that we've anchored our soul in a haven of rest to sail the wild seas no more. The tempest may sweep o'er the wild stormy deep, but in Jesus that power we're anchored evermore. Upon this rock I'll build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Yes, sir. The spiritual divine revelation that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. The Bible said no man can say Jesus is the Christ only by the witness of the Holy Ghost. And if you deny the Holy Ghost exists, 
If you deny there's no such a thing as the baptism of the Holy Ghost, how can you believe in Jesus Christ? Only by a historical standpoint you can believe it. But when you have received Christ the Holy Spirit into your heart and been regenerated and born anew, then the Holy Ghost itself bears record. That's the reason people today that can believe in divine healing in the supernatural because the very God that made the Word created it has sent His own Spirit in the heart to vindicate that to be true. That's why today we have signs and wonders and powers working among us all over the world. This marvelous great bridge. Oh, my, as my colored friends used to sing, it's a highway to heaven and we're walking up the King's Highway. Truly, all over, Jesus has finished. Everything is completed. Jesus would have not sat down if he had not completed the work. No man sits down until his job is over. That's right. And when Jesus took his blood and went through the heavens of heaven and condemned every devil, took the keys of death and hell, and sat down. When he died at Calvary, he bowed his head as far as the atonement was made and everything that you've got need of in this journey from earth to glory, he screamed, it is finished. There can be nothing else added to it. Nothing else taken from it. That settles it. The Bible is finished. The plan of God is finished. The atonement is made. The devil is defeated. And the only thing we have to do is look and live. Brother, sister, tonight, may God of heaven help you to look and live as we pray now and bow our heads. Our dear Heavenly Father, as we come to the close now of this little mixed-up message as a parable, but let the people, Lord, as take it home with them and ponder over it in their heart, and knowing that we can rest assured if we're built on material out of the Bible, that every plan of our salvation comes from thus saith the Lord. And we know we're correct. And then, Father, I pray that in vindication of this that I have said, that there is none other, no other way under heaven, not other another name given under heaven, that man must be saved only through the name of the Lord Jesus, who was the expansion between heavens and earth as he was expanded up there. He is the mighty power. The name of the Lord is a mighty tower. The righteous run into it and are safe. We thank thee, Father, that we have found this. And I pray now that you'll bless tonight. And while we have our heads bowed, I just wonder if there would be someone in here who'd say, Brother or Preacher, I believe that every word of it. But I have built my theories maybe somewhere else on my automobile. I thought about paying for the home, educating my children. That's legitimate, my brother. That's a good thing. That has got not one thing to do with your eternal salvation. Oh, I joined church, Brother Brandon, but that hasn't got one thing to do with your salvation. Jesus never did ask anybody to join a church. No, sir. But you say, as far as being born again... Well, Jesus said, except you're born again, you'll no wise enter into the kingdom, no matter how many churches you belong to, how good you are, how, how you've contributed to church, how you've tuck others to church, and how hard you've worked in the circles of the church. That won't have one thing to do with it. You'll say, I never even knew you. 
except a man be born again of the Spirit and the water, he will in no wise enter into the kingdom. If you raise your hand to God at this time and say, God, I haven't accepted this, but I really want it in my heart. I want you, Brother Bram, to pray for me. And God, I want you to have mercy on me as I raise my hands to you. Would you raise your hand? God bless you. God bless you. You, you. Yes, just simply many, many raising your hands. Now remember, you don't do that in vain. See you, sister. You don't do that in vain. You can't. You cannot make one move towards God without Him telling you to do it. No man can come to me except my Father draws him. It's something told you to do it. Jesus said, All the Father has given me when, before the foundation of the world, will come to me. Everyone that's been given, the roadhouse might have had you a long time. The old coal formal church might have had you a long time. You might have listened to a social gospel, denied the power thereof for a long time, but don't worry, you're coming to Christ. If you believe, be sure to do it. And as you raise your hand and accept him, Say, God, be merciful to me. I now come by raising my hand. Only thing I know to do, God bless you. My, there are just many more hands went up then. Remember, I might not even see your hand, but he does. He knows all about What kind of material are you built out of? Methodist? Baptist? Catholic? Presbyterian? Lutheran? Pentecostal? Nazarene, Pilgrim Holiness, if you're not built out of Bible material, the boards drove on by the Holy Ghost, you better tear off the boards. Get built right. You believe that he hears my prayer? You believe that he seems can open the eyes of the blind through prayer? Can without a shadow of doubt know every thought that's in your heart? Do the very same things he did when he was here on earth, standing here in our midst, then you raise up your hand to him. I'll offer prayer for you. All right, God bless you. Any more? Our Heavenly Father, the speaking of the Word. It's hard on the tree sometimes to saw it out and shape it and prune it, but it must be did this way to bear fruit. So we pray, dear Heavenly Father, that every person, these dozens, that raise their hands to accept you, that you'll put their name right now in the Lamb's Book of Life, engrave it out there in the middle of the air, in that hand that was nailed to Calvary. Grant it, Lord, and may not one of them be lost. May every one of them safely arrive. May they come fully, wholeheartedly, and receive the Holy Spirit in their heart and be made anew by the renewing of their mind. Grant it, Father. May the Holy Ghost do this. For we ask it in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. As we get towards the end of this episode, we'll end with the word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank Thee for Thy word which You've spoken to us out of. We thank Thee, Lord, to know that who is like unto Thee, O Lord, among the gods. As we heard in this chapter, Lord, that Your words are pure, as silver tried in a furnace of earth, purified seven times. 
And it said, Thou shalt keep them. O Lord, thou shalt preserve them from this generation forever. So, Father, may you preserve us by your word and give us of it eternal life. In the name of thy Son, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to Honey in the Rock, your daily dose of inspiration and encouragement. We hope to continue to earn your viewership throughout the year as we read the Bible from cover to cover. To make this a better listening experience for you, would really appreciate your feedback. So please email us at honeyintherock2020 at gmail.com. We also have accounts on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. So please follow us, share our pages, and subscribe. Now we'll leave you with the parting song. God richly bless you. God's Word is true. He will never fail you. Listen, my friends, to these words of mine. There is an answer every problem you'll find they're found in the bible the true word of god in there is eternal life to all that This prophet fulfilled